0: Hope radio Hello, Marcy Swelling here. How are you? And welcome to Global Medicine. I'm an internist in Southern California dedicated to bringing health care to people all over the world, affordable, accessible health care. Today, we, our guest is Ruben Terrell, the CEO of Mediguide Holdings. Hi, Ruben.
1: Hi, Marcy. How are you?
0: It's a pleasure to have you, and I'm always good. You know that. I do. So I understand you were born here in America, but I think you live in Bangkok, Thailand. How did you find to get How did you get all the way over there to Bangkok, Thailand? What were you doing?
1: Uh, Call it luck, uh, call it misplacement, call it what you will. Um, But effectively, I was working in the United States uh, about 20 years ago and ended up meeting a doctor uh, based out of North Carolina who pioneered uh, lithotripsy, uh, at least mobile lithotripsy. So I started to work with him uh, in Asia, uh, and we set up offices in uh, Thailand, Australia, Indonesia, Malaysia, and the Philippines. And then I ended up coming to Mexico and, and setting up our, our operations in uh, Mexico and Panama, and then went back to Bangkok. So for the, for the last 20 years, I've effectively been out of the United States, uh, living overseas and working in healthcare.
0: Wow. And uh, lots of English in Bangkok or no English in Bangkok? Is it difficult to find uh, other Americans in Bangkok?
1: No, there's a there's probably about a quarter of a million uh, expatriates living in Bangkok, uh, and Asia, as you know, is a real hotbed for economic activity right now. So whether you're in Bangkok or Singapore, Shanghai, uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, uh, or Manila, it's quite easy to find English, English-speaking uh, uh, expats and, of course, doctors.
0: Absolutely. Now, I think you did some work in Bangkok in the field of medical tourism, and if I'm correct, you're one of the pioneers in medical tourism. Please tell us all about that and your experience in Bangkok.
1: Well, when I started to work, uh, uh, when I came back to Bangkok for the second time, uh, back in 2001, I was working for a large uh, multi-specialty hospital uh, located in the center of Bangkok called Bumrungrad International Hospital. Actually, at the time that I arrived, it was just called Bumrungrad Hospital. And... I was uh, effectively hired to help expand their international program. Um, the hospital had effectively American, all the American facilities are all uh, had American doctors, American equipment, American management, and what they were trying to do was effectively try to pull patients from the region to come to this particular hospital, and so I was in charge of uh, uh attracting patients from other countries into Thailand for for medical treatment that was very very successful and for probably 5 years uh as as director for marketing and international business development our international p- patient uh, business grew about uh 100% we went from around 150,000 international patients to over 400,000 patients by the time that I left in 2007.
0: Oh, my
1: gosh. So today, that hospital is effectively the epicenter, the icon of medical tourism uh, because it attracts over 450,000 patients from around the world for everything from cosmetic surgery to spine surgery to uh, heart valve replacement surgery. Uh, And the patients who are coming are Middle Easterners, uh, Cambodians, Uh, Australians and Americans so uh, there is probably no more global hospital than that hospital which uh, was also featured in uh, a 60 minutes piece uh, in 2005.
0: Fascinating so what drives people to go to Thailand of all places to get health care I mean I can go down the street to my hospital down the street why would I want to go to Thailand?
1: Well yeah. People travel overseas for healthcare for three reasons, and about three reasons only. One is cost. They can't afford it. Uh, obviously, as you know, there's a lot of people in the United States who just cannot afford U.S. healthcare um, because it's expensive. Uh, people leave because of quality. Uh, they may not be able to find uh, uh, the expertise uh, or the technical capability in their home country. We're not just talking about Americans. We're talking about anybody. Uh, and the other issue is access. Um, again, you will find in social healthcare systems like Canada and the UK that oftentimes you'll have to wait 6, 8, uh, 12 months sometimes for uh, surgical treatment. So a lot of people don't want to wait, and for either cost reasons, quality reasons, or access uh, reasons, people decide, I'll look overseas to find something that's faster, cheaper, or better.
0: And And you have obviously been successful. Now, Explain to me about um, the Mediguide, you're the Mediguide, you're the CEO of Mediguide. As I understand it, there are, I mean, Bangkok is an example of a hospital overseas, but there are hundreds of hospitals overseas that are now involved in in this concept of medical tourism, people looking for good quality health care at affordable prices. And, And I understand the Mediguide helps them find those places and find those doctors.
1: Yeah, there, there are literally thousands of hospitals around the world that are, that are effectively trying to attract patients all over the world to come to them. And I think this is what we're seeing in the, if you will, the globalization of healthcare that healthcare used to be local and now it's global. Um, and again, hospitals and doctors aren't looking at their patients just coming from 10 miles or 20 miles away. They're looking at them coming from 10,000 miles away. So uh, effectively, a lot of the hospitals have done a very good job at uh, positioning themselves, particularly on the web, and trying to advertise their service services in order to attract patients from around the world. Doctors, however, are less, if you will, web or advertising savvy. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, an individual who's thinking about traveling overseas for medical treatment is really traveling for the doctor. They want to know that the physician that they're going to see is qualified uh, and is validated by other people who have used that doctor. So, effectively, that was the hole in the market that I saw that uh, a lot of the hospitals were doing a great job advertising and marketing themselves online, but the doctors re- really were kind of in the background and needed to come into the foreground because this is really what the the patient wants to see. They wanna know, does my doctor speak English? What what procedures or treatments does he offer? Um, Is he US or internationally board certified and trained? Um, What do other patients say about that doctor? And so what we've effectively created is a way that you can search doctor by name, uh, by country, specialty uh, treatments that they do, hospitals uh, where they work, and countries that they live in.
0: Fascinating. So I'm a patient here anywhere in the world, and I need my knee operated on, for instance. So I would go to your website, MediGuide, and I would look up orthopedist or knee operation, and I would have a list of doctors. Can I interview them?
1: Sure. Well, effectively what we do is we, we are an interface that allows you to search, find, and connect with those doctors. Once you've found your doctor, then you can effectively connect to them and say, uh, I'm a patient, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, let's say, knee replacement surgery. Can you tell me more about price, uh, procedures, techniques that you use, on and on and on. So effectively, we help patients Uh, find those doctors and then create that initial connection and then we step back and leave it between the doctor and the patient because effectively we do not want to get in the middle of that relationship.
0: I understand. Now, as a doctor back here, um, I believe in continuity of care. That's just Mm -hmm. so important that that whatever procedure, operation, whatever is being done, that that there's follow-up. How is that done when you're 2,000 miles away?
1: Well, it's, it's tricky, actually. Um, I, I think one of the issues with this globalized healthcare is how do you create that continuity of care? And I think here one of the things that we're trying to do is engage physicians like yourself who live in the United States um, to connect with physicians who are overseas to become the bridge between patient and the eventual doctor that they may see overseas because the last thing that any doctor overseas wants to see is a patient who is effectively not equipped or not prepared for surgery or is not a candidate for surgery. So let's take a a case of our hip replacement patient. If that hip replacement patient talks to you, a, a concierge physician, and says, look, Dr. Marcy, I cannot afford medical treatment here because I'm either Ineligible, or uh, I'm not covered by by insurance, and I'm looking at traveling to Thailand or Mexico or Turkey for medical treatment. Tell me what my options are. Uh, help me validate that I am a candidate to travel overseas for medical treatment. And can you help interface with my doctor to make sure that he's got the medical information that he needs or she needs in order to 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 uh, uh, to perform the surgery. This is one of the things that I think is missing from this whole global conversation is the intermediary doctor like yourself who plays that role in the United States between you or between the patient and a specialist. So many of the hospitals are very, very good at creating a dialogue and working with patients in order to get their information and make sure that they are, in fact, a good candidate to come over for medical treatment. But I think having doctors like yourself in the conversation even makes that stronger. And it it provides continuity of care when they come back.
0: Absolutely. So perhaps we should let the audience in in on the fact that we actually do know each other, and I had the privilege of going with you to both Brazil and to Turkey. And one of the things that I found most fascinating was, first of all, the hospitals that you described. They're like the Four Seasons here in the United States. Beautiful hospitals, lovely food, and the accoutrements are just fascinating. And among those was that good big TV set that sat in the middle of every room where patients were actually talking to their doctor back in the United States. So as we are talking here through the Internet and and, and the cloud, it actually does expedite that and allow that to happen. So there's no reason why I couldn't even from the United States watch a surgery that was happening in Turkey because all of those things are set up now. I could talk to my patient as they're sitting in their bed, and I found that absolutely positively fascinating. We haven't used it enough, but indeed the continuity of care and the idea that the patient has to always show up in the doctor's office to get their follow-up is really not valid anymore, is it, in this global world? We need to be using these IT mechanisms, yes?
1: Correct. I mean, uh, the conversation that we're having, we're thousands and thousands of miles apart, separated by time differences, but it doesn't really matter. And I think that this is one of the really interesting things that's happening in medicine is that um, a lot of the transformation is taking place because the the technology, the information technology, uh, and the communication technology has changed as well. So uh, effectively, we could have on this conversation a another doctor from Turkey, and all of a sudden, it would be me, the patient, you, my physician here in the United States, and the overseas doctor. And this is really uh, an, an uh, this is really a glimpse into the future of globalized medicine and the idea that that you do not have to. Just look at options that are local. You really have global options. And I, I think that one of the amazing things here is that there are a lot of excellent doctors overseas um, that are US board trained, have lived and worked uh, in the United States, and have gone back home. So, for all intents and purposes, you are, as an American, seeing an American doctor in a place like Mexico or Turkey or Brazil or Thailand. It's just that they happen to live there and oftentimes you will pay 50, 70% less because they live overseas.
0: And indeed, we uh, in fact, that is going to be some of our next interviews are going to be with those doctors that I met overseas because I found them to be fascinating, passionate, and I think most importantly, very much like us here in the United States. Every doctor that I met around the world wanted the same thing for their patients, good healthcare. They were all passionate about healthcare and about their patients. I was really overwhelmed by how much alike every doctor was. The professionalism is really global, absolutely positively. And I can't wait to bring our viewers uh, at interviews with some of these doctors. Particularly, I think you'll remember, there was a doctor that we met in, in, uh, uh, in Istanbul that was a pediatric cardiologist. Mm. She stood about four foot tall, and she just brought so much energy into the room. And uh, all she could talk about was her babies, the babies whose lives she was saving. And uh, and I think that Americans need to understand that healthcare is now a global marketplace. And I'm wondering, as Americans are facing the ACA, or what we call Obamacare here, and this incredible bureaucratic um, uh, thing. I don't know what else to call it. Um, have you started to see Americans looking into opportunities over abroad more? Are they Are they exploring other opportunities? Are they seeing that that America may not be the only place to get health care?
1: Yes, I am. I mean, I, I, whether or not the Obamacare or the uh, the Affordable Care Act is uh, stimulating more people today to travel overseas for medical care. Uh, it, that's hard to gauge. Um, but I, I think, without a doubt, uh, Americans are starting to understand more and more that there are global options available. And 10 years ago, this wasn't the case. Uh, and for a lot of different reasons, because uh, very frankly, the healthcare system in the United States is extremely process-driven, as you well know. And I think that this is the single biggest difference that you find between healthcare outside America and healthcare inside America. Oftentimes people ask me, what's the difference? And I said, one system is process-driven and the other one is patient-driven. And my sense here is that I have never met anybody who's gone overseas for medical care who hasn't come back and said, wow what an experience and of course they're saying that in a positive way and when was the last time that you heard anybody go to a hospital and come back and go wow what an experience it doesn't happen uh and i think that as more americans get exposure real exposure to what is available beyond their borders they're going to start taking it upon themselves to start looking at those options in a much more serious fashion and they're going to start demanding from their employers or or insurance companies develop a product that allows me to go overseas
0: interesting now we've seen some part interesting partnerships that are also taking place I think between American hospitals and hospitals overseas am I correct that Johns Hopkins the Cleveland Clinic are finding places overseas Um, is that another medical tourism kind of opportunity or is that something different?
1: It's it's a bit of a hybrid. Um uh hospitals like Hopkins MD Anderson, uh the Cleveland Clinic, uh Mayo uh have been uh I would say more active in developing international uh uh or their international profile because a lot of governments or hospitals or investors in those countries pull them in because these are the top names in the United States okay are these medical tourism hospitals uh no they're not Uh, there are hospitals that are there developed to uh, effectively treat the the local population but i I think here what it does is it sets a precedent for this whole concept that names and and doctors and systems are movable so the fact that hopkins can set up you know uh, a cancer center in singapore or a hospital in the Middle East and have the Hopkins name and the Hopkins reputation and the Hopkins system behind it makes a lot of the Americans who might be traveling to those countries a lot more comfortable because they know that there is a brand name that they know well in the United States that is operating overseas. And I think that this is just a baby step to what we're going to see in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years where you're really going to have global networks of hospitals that are, again, uh, Mayo or Hopkins or others that, that form these partnerships. And again, in the United States, you have these, um, what you call in-net network for hospitals and doctors that you can go to and that your insurer allows you to go to, but if you kind of expand that idea a little bit more into a global network, then effectively you could be going to Mexico or Thailand or Turkey or Brazil and be seeing doctors within that network just as easily as you'd be seeing doctors in the U.S. network. And that's really where this is headed.
0: I think that's fascinating. So just to sum up a little bit, I think what we've said here is patients, first of all, need a doctor. That yeah. they're. To this, by by the excellence of a physician and the professionalism of a physician, regardless of where they are around the world, that doctor then is affiliated with a with a hospital that is an expert and is able to accomplish whatever procedure he needs that he needs to do. In fact, we saw in Turkey they were actually building an orthopedic hospital where a. Student team of orthopedists, a huge team of orthopedists were, were were actually almost driven to the hospital because of the hospital's expertise. So the patient finds the doctor, the doctor finds the hospital, and, and let me get this straight. The patient gets on a plane, lands in Thailand or Istanbul or wherever, somebody picks them up, takes them to the hospital, they have their surgery, there's a connect between the doctor back here in the United States and back there in whatever country, patient comes back here, continuity of care, via the internet, case closed. Am I correct? It's just that easy?
1: Well yes. I mean and and uh let's um you know let's put this in, in into a real perspective. This happens every day. This happens every day. I mean there are patients leaving their their city, their state, and or their country, and going overseas on their kind of on their own power, oftentimes very unassisted and, and getting medical treatment and coming back home I, I think the the link that is missing right now is the resource for a lot of American patients to find American doctors like yourself who are willing to act as the interface for international doctors, because, as you well know, a lot of doctors will go that's not my business. I recommend that you do not go overseas and travel overseas. You don't know what you're going for. And a lot of times that is driven because, very frankly, because they don't know any better. They don't know what exists beyond their borders. Uh, Doctors as intelligent people, but again, if their worldview is closed and is only focused on the United States, that's all they know.
0: You're absolutely right. Because I work for my patients, they tell me what they want. Mm. And Believe me, they are looking at, that, at this as an opportunity. We actually have a question from a viewer, and here's the question. What are the top surgeries that are done overseas because of cost?
1: Well, the, some of the top uh, surgeries performed overseas uh, turn out to be number one plastic surgery, okay? Uh, and because these are surgeries that are not covered by an insurer or an employer, they are out-of-pocket, uh, and so what you will find is that a savvy uh health consumer will oftentimes look at options overseas because the savings can be huge. Um as an example, uh, a facelift in the United States may be twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. Uh in a place like Thailand it's ten thousand dollars. So you can start to see um, the beginning
0: I mean, to look. look you what know. Yeah.
1: Mercy, leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, as also as a as a uh, as a rule, the higher the intensity of the procedure, the bigger the savings. So when you start to take a look at spine surgery, again, those 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 price differentials could be sixty, eighty thousand in the United States. It could be twenty thousand overseas. Uh, Bypass surgery, uh, maybe a hundred thousand in the United States. It could be twenty five, thirty thousand dollars overseas. So you can start to see a real gap happening the higher you go up into the intensity level. And as you get into things like uh, transplantation, it gets even bigger.
0: And one of the things I noticed when we were in Istanbul was the way they, not just how they financed this, but how they dealt with it. So, in our hospitals, we have people standing in line as the cashier, basically, or getting these horrendous bills at home and, and having a heart. If they didn't have a heart attack in the hospital, the EOB or the Explanation of Benefits will give them a heart attack. In, you know, after they get home. But what I found is that they get one bill, and they have an opportunity to pay for it, even get it financed. So if they need bypass surgery, their copay here could be as much as ten or fifteen thousand dollars. And then they have all the other co-pays, the doctor the the hospital, the pathologist the you know you name it the laboratory. But if I recall there was one bill it was just it was one stop shopping they brought it to the patient's room, the patient arranged their financing, and they left the hospital, having either paid it in full or had an arrangement for that one bill to be paid. am i correct
1: yeah and i I think uh it's the, the the huge difference in payment systems. Uh, and, and this isn't kind of uh, universal all over the world, but uh, for the purposes of, of this um, conversation, this, this is how it works. When you travel overseas, and a lot of uh, patients who get private health care overseas, they pay for that out of pocket. That is a cash payment. okay? And you would almost n- – I don't think any American would ever consider uh, paying for their bypass surgery paying cash uh, because, effectively, that would be $80,000, and, you know, very frankly, who's got that lying around? Um, But in the United States, it's a third-party payer. There's an insurance company. There's an employer. There's somebody else paying the bill. And because someone else pays the bill, it becomes very procedure driven and very process oriented. When you go overseas to, for example, the hospital that I worked in in, in Bangkok, um, they will tell you upfront, these are the prices. And oftentimes they have package prices, all inclusive prices for their surgical procedures. And that is the price that you pay at the end of surgery. It is all inclusive, it is one bill, one price, that's what it is and i think that that kind of simplicity makes it easy for consumers like you and i to kind of take a look and say compare between i may look at thailand i may look at mexico i may look at brazil and using cost as, as one of those factors by which they can compare apples to apples
0: i think it's fascinating so um where do you see this going let's let's i think the audience is I think it's almost hard to to put into our heads the large the large mess of this business where do you think this is going? How big is this business now where how big is it going to be um are we talking millions of dollars billions of dollars? What are we talking about in terms of the the growth rate of this business
1: Well, that's a good question and and there's a a question mark besides that uh, everybody knows that uh there are literally uh, millions and millions of patients traveling every year cross-border for medical treatment, okay? Um, In my own hospital, the one that I worked at, they saw uh, 450,000 patients from around the world coming to that hospital alone for medical treatment, okay? Now, if you start to take a look at the cross-border trade between Canadians coming into the United States for for example, joint replacement surgery, or Americans going to Mexico, or Mexicans going to, for example, uh, uh, Houston for medical treatment. This is all in the global medical uh, sphere, if you will. No one is tracking this. No one is tracking it in a systematic way that says, aha, we can see where patients are going and we can see how this is growing. Anecdotally, everybody knows it's growing. And many, many more hospitals and doctors are getting involved in it, but no one's got hard stats to say, this is what uh, this looks like. That said, if you're asking about the future, um, I think the future is just what we're doing right now. You are my doctor, and you could be in Turkey for all intents and purposes, uh, and you don't have to be overseas. And, again, my ability to go online and shop for the right doctor for me at the right price, at the right place, doing the right procedure is really what technology is enabling us to do. And as long as the consumer has choice and is informed about that choice, well, more power to the patient.
0: Fascinating. We have another question from Anthony in New York, and he wants to know are referrals from patients available. On Mediguide, do you have patients that actually um, go there and look for other patients to refer them to other doctors? Are patients actually making those referrals at all?
1: No, not really. I, I think, uh, again, the site that I have is, is frankly, a, a just a quick and easy site to uh, find doctors. Um, there are kind of other sites and, and ways by which patients oftentimes find other patients uh, who have traveled overseas, but um, there's a, a very popular website called Patients Like Me uh, in the United States where patients who have like issues oftentimes find themselves on a on a on a web platform like patients like me to kind of converse. That is one of the the tools, if you will, that is missing in global healthcare. And Anthony, if that was your question, it's a good question.
0: It is a good question. So let's sum up. What we've what we've done here today, I think, is we've recognized the the, the problem in the world is access. Access and cost. That's what we were trying to solve here in the United States with the ACA. We wanted to bring more access to patients at lower cost. And what we've just told the world is, hello, that's available. That's available not necessarily next door, but that's available around the globe. Pick your doctor, create a relationship, use Mediguide as an example, and get your procedure done, get back to work, and give yourself, I always tell people they need a better day. This is a great day when the world can be can be united around better quality health care, legitimate better quality health care, not government-driven, not insurance-driven, but patient-driven. I think that's what we're saying here. Patients that need help now have access and an opportunity to find the right doctor, the right place, the right price. I can't I it's a wonderful business opportunity and the the idea that with that opportunity comes better health and then of course a better day for the patients I think is just it, it's quite frankly it's earth-shattering it, it is it is absolutely a business opportunity for every single person it's not that I think most of the world doesn't yet know about hopefully they'll watch this and they'll start to know about it
1: yeah How- I, I think there's there comes an aha moment and um I think the industry the 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 uh, healthcare complex if you will is looking for consumers to knock on their door and demand it. And right now the the idea that consumers are you know slowly but surely becoming educated to what their options are overseas becomes an important thing and and an informed consumer becomes a demanded consumer and once that consumer says I want options and I want global options then the doctors, the hospitals, the insurers, and the employers have to start to react towards that. Right now, they don't feel like they have to. Uh, and very frankly, for them, they see this as a small business as compared to what they're doing uh, every day you know, in their, in their uh, domestic lives. But I think that this is a, a huge opportunity, and I would ask anybody – who is watching this program or, or, or watches it on tape, if you have any questions, please contact me at ruben.torell at mediguide.com, or you can go to www.mediguide.com. You can find me there.
0: Fabulous. I can't thank you enough for your time and your patience and for letting the world know about this wonderful opportunity. Access at lower cost and good health for the world. That's what this is all about. And I can't thank you for being a part of that, that good medical community and for being my friend. Thanks for being my first interview on Global Medicine. This is Dr. Z saying see you around the world.